I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. I'm Emmy. So it's fellowship time. That's the rumor. There's a fellowship, and there's a ring. Some elves are getting up to stuff, and I guess a few hobbits. I, li- I like hobbits. <laughs> I've always felt actually a good kinship with hobbits, because they eat and they drink. And sends him on a quest. Gandalf super doesn't really want Frodo to get out of the house. Suck it, Gandalf. Pipeweed? Pull up an armchair, grab a pipe and a pint from the green dragon. So you want to read Tolkien? Reading The Fellowship of the Ring. So here we are for episode 53, in which we are talking about book two, chapter six, Lothalorian. No, arguably, we don't really get to the... <laughs> to the inner depths, to what you would think of as Lothlorien in this chapter. I mean, at least we, like, make it past the borders. Yes, we get into Something. the woods, but <laughs> I'm just saying, like... all the way around the borders, in fact. Yeah. Well, that's that's just of the city, but I just think it's funny that... I don't know, I think if you'd read this chapter, you would have thought it was going to be more like what the next chapter is. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just a lot of walking again. Yep. It really is. A lot of walking and then, like, elf sadness. Everybody likes some good elf sadness. So, who's doing what? Do you want me to do the characters? You can take ownership for your... My really bad characters? Okay, so in this chapter, we have the Fellowship, which is now, of course, minus one wizard. Dun-dun-dun-dun. We meet Another Paul Deere, an elf of Lothlorien. I'm sorry, were you actually talking? <laughs> No, I was just singing Another oh, One Bites man. the Dust. Okay, I, I just, you kept making noise, so I wasn't sure. <laughs> Anyways, we meet Haldir, an elf of Lothlorien, and we meet Haldir's brothers, whose names are apparently Rumil and Orofin. But they don't speak non-elvish, so they don't really have much of a presence. Nope. Um, also, we, mm-hmm. I noted, they just like Rumil a little bit, but they don't really sound related. Right? Can we please bring up Kurufin and Mathros? I mean, that's fair. Still. <laughs> Not everybody names their children the same way Finway does. Almost everybody does. Yeah. But not everybody. <laughs> yeah. And then we see more of the mysterious creature making the pit pats from back in Moria. Uh, in Wonder this who chapter. that could be. We don't learn its name or origin. But we get a, a good look at it. People other than Frodo see it, which I think is significant because, yes. you know. I do think Frodo was starting to think he was a little bit crazy. Yep. Well, he was certainly sounding a little bit crazy. Yeah. Um, and then we hear a lot about a legend involving two elves named Nimrodel and Emroth, who are elves who lived in Lothlorien many years ago. I believe Nimrodel at least was there before before Gladriel and before any of the current elves who live there. I'm not sure. I think Amroth came with them. Anyways. Yeah. That's a long characters. time ago. Yeah. So the short summary, which I just assumed I was doing, um, <laughs> is that the fellowship... You could do the long one if you wanted. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, um, given that it is literally the length of my arm, if not longer, I think I'll <laughs> stick with... My tiny blurb. It was a Harry so Potter. I'm pretty sure Rachel's put in like shorthand that only she will understand. So that's a possibility too. I actually tried not to because I didn't put faith in my ability to remember <laughs> anything. Um, 
But the short summary is nice and short. The Fellowship, who are still grieving their losses from the Bridge of Khazadum, move into the woods of Lothlorien to hopefully seek shelter and rest with the mysterious elves who live there. Which sounds very straightforward, but this chapter is not. That happens so often with the short summaries on these things. Like, Mm -hmm. we can sum it up in one sentence so well, but when we try to go through it point by point... It's like, oh my God, so much happened. Mm-hmm. Why These are is the it like this? Where you can tell how much Tolkien loved his elves. Like, this was the chapter he lived for. I should count how many pages it was because I didn't do that, but it was long. It is fair. Like, I feel like in this one chapter, we got more elf stuff than we really got in all of our time in Moria about dwarves. Anyway, yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the long version of them walking is that uh, Aragorn starts out telling the company that they need to get moving with the world's most dramatic ever, I told you so. <laughs> so yeah. Goes out. Did I not say to you, if you pass the doors of Moria, beware? Alas, that I spoke true. What hope have we without you? And then he says, we must do without hope. But not only that, doesn't he draw his sword and turn to the mountain and yell back at it? Actually, it's Gimli who literally shakes his fist at the mountain. I mean, Gosh. Aragorn might yell at the mountain too, but um, it's, yeah, they turn back and look at the mountains and then they see like, oh, there's where we should have come out if we'd taken the mountain pass. And Gimli shakes his fist at the mountain in the greatest ever Grandpa Simpson old man yells at cloud reference ever. Yeah, well, no, it says Aragorn, <laughs> he looked towards the mountains and held up his sword. Farewell, right. Gandalf, he cried. Cool. Everyone is yelling at the mountain. I mean, <laughs> Just, yeah. I relate, but... I do think Aragorn was saluting Gandalf. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Still sounds pretty ridiculous. <laughs> it does. And I can actually, because when they were trying to cross Caradhras, it sort of had a personality. So I can see where Gimli blames, you know, that personality mm-hmm. and would shake his fist at it. It's it's just so funny. It would look <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Absolutely, yes. Um, like, why didn't we get this in the movies? Come on. Yeah. They all just, like, lie around super sad and we don't have... <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they get moving and on their way down the mountain, they see the mirror mirror and along with it is Durin's stone, which marks the spot where Durin first looked upon the mirror mirror. Uh, which is very hard to say out loud. <laughs> when I was listening to this with my audio version, and I had absolutely no idea what the man was saying. I had to look it up in the book <laughs> afterwards. So it's a mirror, mirror. Yeah. Um, basically, it's a flat lake. Um, Gimli takes Frodo down to look at it, and of course, Sam comes along. Um, as Emmy notes, Gimli is the road trip mom who takes you to go like look at vistas and giant balls of string on the roadside. <laughs> I could not like Aragorn is literally like we have to get over out of here before the orcs come and kill us all and uh, like a couple minutes after that Gimli is like wait a second I have to go see this <laughs> and not only that but then Aragorn's like yeah I understand just be quick <laughs> like, <laughs> like we might die I have to pee but, I, I, but I, I we just you. stopped at a bathroom <laughs> yeah Gimli is the road trip mom he makes you pull over to look at the vistas I just I love it. Even at risk of death. Yep. I mean, you know, it happens. Anyway, they do look into the still water and see, uh, as quoted here, the forms of the encircling ocean. What? (laughs) 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 What the hell did I do there? 
you can't read your own writing. <laughs> no, I literally wrote oceans. She meant mountains. <laughs> <laughs> the encircling oceans. This would be a very different book. <gasps> what the fuck? Okay, I'm back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <clears throat> so they they look into the still water and see. The forms of the encircling mountains mirrored in a profound blue, and the peaks were like plumes of white flame above them. Beyond, there was a space of sky. There, like jewels sunk into the deep, shone glinting stars, though sunlight was in the sky above. Of their own stooping forms, no shadow could be seen. And uh, Gimli remarks of the stars reflected in the scene, uh, There lies the crown of Durin till he wakes. And Sam is... Super deeply overcome by the experience, um, but I'm just completely wondering: like, is it is it magic? Is it an illusion? So, wait, I looked this up. I think it's I think it's an illusion because the dwarves don't really have magic, right? It's the elves that that. do. And but to be fair, not much is known about this. Like, Mm -hmm. we we haven't Tolkien hasn't given us much history about this, which is. Well, kind of odd for him, but also, I guess, indicative of what we were just talking about, about elves versus dwarves history. Mm-hmm. But I guess this is where Durin looked and, like, I think maybe the original Durin? I'm not, I don't remember how many Durins there have been mm-hmm. or which I one think, was which. I think which. the original Durin was the one who settled Casa Doom. So It says Durin the Deathless here. I don't know yeah, if that was the yeah. first he's, one. He's the first one. So he looked in and saw a crown above his head, which is presumably the mountains. And no, well, but he stars. has it's the stars. Oh, the stars. He has right. the crown of stars as his symbol. Got star theme going on. Everybody sees stars everywhere. I just don't think of the dwarves in relation to the stars. Yeah, well, because we think of them more with Gondor, but they are also on the doorway, the doors of Durin. You're absolutely right. I, mm-hmm. I also with yeah. trees, yeah. which you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that was some of that was elves because yeah, that the tree was like was the that was like the elf door. That so was the was, elf door. It dwarf. was the melding of the symbols. That was their friendship door. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Gondor <laughs> took both for their own. And and... Gone. Well, Gondor people like to think they're elves. Yeah, it's fair. That's very true. Yeah. Anyways, it. Uh, uh, the only thing I could find about it is that he looked into the lake and saw a crown above his head, and so they raised this pillar to mark the event. Which, but by now. It's all cracked and heavily weathered, and you can't really see what it originally was. Mm-hmm. I feel like it could be both magic and an illusion. Like, I don't know. I think of illusions mostly in the realm of magic. But, um, oh, where was that sentence going? I, I've already yeah. forgotten. I mean, there is, there are, you know, Valar who do care about the dwarves, at least one. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was not necessarily magic, but like a sign from him. Ally. Yes, I 100% knew his name. <laughs> Good save, Rachel. Good save. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Our, I mean, maybe it's just like sparkly rocks. But I do think it's interesting because, I mean, we don't think of stars with the, the dwarves, but we also don't think of them with outside, right? Yeah, But then they have true. this point of such significance that's, you know, a roadside vista. Stars, outdoors, sky, all that is typically with the elves but i think also part of that is that we don't know as much about the dwarves as we do about literally any other group right but also i mean we do think of the elves as being like outdoors and forests but they were also very cave Mm -hmm. 
cavey people at first, too. So, I mean, I guess everybody's got depths. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm... I saw what you did there. <laughs> it felt like magic to me pretty much because they didn't cast any shadows on the water. And it was right. like you leaned over and peered into this pool and all you could see were the stars and the circle of the mountains around the edge of the pool. And that was awesome. Yeah. Anyway, I'll never know. Because... <clears throat> We don't like dwarves in these here parts. <laughs> Some um, mysteries are made to be mysteries. Nope. Also, like, literally everything about hobbits. I know. Oh, my God. We're going get, to get get to that later. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So, they go back to walking, and they come to a spring, which is the source of the Silverlode River that they're following. And Gimli says not to drink, since it's icy cold, which I found really confusing, because that just sounds deliciously refreshing well it's winter yeah but so if you're if you're cold you probably don't want have you ever been in a glacial fed river because i have (laughs) it's not great but it's delicious it was boiling fucking hot out and we were like yes yes water and then we got in and we were like no 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 and we got out What if you had just drunk it and not gotten in it um i don't know i don't really Drink from random rivers. I mean... No, that's not true. I have. <laughs> but at the time, we had brought alcohol down to the river, so we, I mean, we drank that's, that. That's, that's fair. Um, I think they would all be happier if they had some alcohol with them on this road trip. Indeed. So, the after stopping there for a little bit, um, the group now plans to go on to Lothlorien, which is helpful because it's the name of the chapter. Uh, Legolas... <laughs> <laughs> waxes poetic about it for a while. Um, describes that what instead of the leaves dropping in the fall, they turn gold and then only fall when new leaves sprout. He says his heart would be glad to be there in springtime. And Aragorn replies he'll be glad even in winter. Because uh, with Gandalf gone, Aragorn has taken over his role as both leader and sass master. <laughs> we just, and also we just like need that sass. Pragmatic. I mean, that too. But Cecily pragmatic. Yeah. Which I think is the best kind of pragmatic. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so as they walk, uh, Frodo and Sam begin to fall behind, and Aragorn eventually feels super duper guilty about forgetting that they were hurt in Moria. Which, um, to be fair, since it's been two weeks since we last recorded, I had also forgotten completely. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten about Sam. I had not mm-hmm. forgotten about Frodo, because Frodo is... My Your boy, favorite. and I love him. Also, his wound was a little more significant for that's, that's plot true. reasons. Um, but they stop again at a nice place where another stream joins the sulfur load to rest and tend their wounds. Uh, Sam's wound apparently looks worse than it is, and it's luckily not poisoned, even though orcs usually Oh my god, this bit, when I was reading it, and Aragorn says, good luck, Sam. Like, I get that he, or I got after a bit that he was saying, hey, this has been some good luck. But at first, I really thought he looked at it, said good luck, and walked away. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck, Aragorn? <laughs> Hope you have some healing in your blood, son. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. No, he has had some good luck. Um, and Aragorn still has some dried uh, athalas to use for healing. So, yay, magic plants. Um, Frodo 
on the other hand, uh, attempts to refuse to take off his clothes to get inspected. But but Aragorn insists and then strips him, and it's fabulous. Yep, literally that. Obviously yep. in love. <laughs> um. So after this extremely sexual stripping, and definitely not just checking on his wounds, he obviously reveals the mithril corslet and uh is did you change this sentence or did i write that the first time around i have i have not done anything okay. that was you <laughs> um so he of course reveals the mithril corslet and is overcome with love for his dear frodo or something <laughs> like that <laughs> so gimli is also in awe at the fairness of this magical silver coat and comments that Gandalf undervalued it. So, you know, it's worth more than all of the Shire, which, dang. It's an expensive shirt. It's a very expensive shirt. I mean, that's like one shirt at Anthropology. I was just going to say you probably got that at Nordstrom. <laughs> Mary actually also pipes up how grateful he has that Frodo has it and hopes that he can tell Bilbo so, which was really nice. Yeah, that was really yeah. sweet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all this gratitude aside, Frodo is still super bruised, which is better than dead, but still sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, by virtue of more magic plants, though, uh, the Athelus helps ease the pain, so Frodo can get on with our walking. And Athelus sounds like the best. Somebody right? should find that and cure cancer. I know, right? Let's, like, <laughs> why, why aren't we, like, cultivating it and yeah. leaving it? As random weeds. Um, but yeah, so after the break, the company does begin traveling again because the sun is sinking behind the mountains. They are able to walk faster and keep going until it's actually night. Frodo and Gimli begin walking at the rear, listening for some sounds behind them. Uh, there are no goblins, and Sting is not glowing, but Frodo is still concerned because he hears the bitter patter of feet. And a glint of two bright eyes behind him. Da na na na. Uh, I was thinking the Twilight Zone theme, but you you went somewhere else. Do 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 do. Yeah. Emmy, did you want to pipe up? Yeah. Okay, I can pipe in here. Um, in I mean, you section, literally piped in. I know. I was like, look, I I wrote something down, so then I would keep track of it, and then I went to herd my dog downstairs. Um, I love that in this section, Gimli says, um, I hear nothing but the night speech of plant and stone, which sounds amazing. I want to know more about what they sounds like and who else can hear it. And are they, is it actual speech or is it just the sounds that plants and stones would make at night? And if it is an actual speech, do they have a day speech? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What noises do they make in the day? I have questions. I just think that sounds so cool, and it just got totally glossed over. Even if he does just mean, like, all I hear is, you know, normal nature sounds, it was a really good sentence the way that, that it was written. Yeah. No. I think it's it's underrated how, like, cool and awesome Gimli actually is. Because they took so much out mm -hmm. for, in the movies, and people just think he's, like... A comic relief, like mm -hmm. like like Marion Pippin. They don't keep all this good shit that he has. Yeah, and we'll have actually. They give another line up ahead in relation to someone else instead of him. But yeah, I know. Like like all three 
um, Gimli, Legolas, and Aragorn are, like, super badass, awesome nature people. Like, any one of them could track down just about anything. It's almost like maybe that's going to come into play. Hmm. What a concept. Uh, but later. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> after a bunch of walking, uh, we do finally come upon the borders of Lothlorien. And the company hopes that the virtue of the elves will keep them safe, even if they're only on the edge. Uh, Gimli remarks aloud, uh, wondering if elves still even live there. And Legolas replies that even though his own people haven't ventured to Lorien for a long time, they know it's not yet deserted since its power still holds, and the elves must just live deep in the woods. Uh, Boromir finally pipes up about going into the forest, uh, saying like, Hell no, I'm not going in there. Um, we've taken some strange paths thus far that led us to a lot of bad stuff. Uh, which, I mean, fair, but hello. Magic Elfwood. <laughs> um, but also in Gondor, they hear that few come out of Lorien who go in, and of that few, uh, none have escaped unscathed. Uh, to which Aragorn replies, Say not unscathed, but if you say unchanged, then maybe you will speak the truth. But nonetheless, um, Ormir's overruled without any real argument. Uh, the group will go through Lorien, and Aragorn adds that it is perilous indeed, but only evil need fear it, or those who bring some evil with them. Which, what? it doesn't really get commented on, but they are literally bringing evil with them. Yeah, that's just what, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Like, that is their literal task. Like, and I, I guess they mean, like, those who bring evil intent. Mm-hmm. But they are quite literally bringing evil itself in a physical, inanimate object. <laughs> yeah. Like the actual embodiment of all evil that is remaining on yeah. this Middle Earth. So, I mean, other than Tom Bombadil, obviously. <laughs> the one true evil. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, I think it's really funny because Boromir, like, barely appears in this chapter. He kind of just has this one comment. He just sort of And then we never, get anyth we never get anything else from him, which I only just I noticed. Assume, I assume he's off to the side talking with Merry and Pippin, because we don't really get much from them either. Well, mm -hmm. he carried someone. He carried Sam or Frodo when they one were injured. Mm -hmm. Let's think Sam so that Frodo and... Obviously. Obvi Aragorn wouldn't let somebody else carry Frodo. I mean, it's, it's fair. Like, he would not just... I'm, for whatever I mean, reason like, funny romance aside he wouldn't let somebody else that i don't think well i don't know if they mistrust boromir yet that's that's mm -hmm. movie caitlin talking but i think he still would he's, be like he's, he's still protective. he's still reeling with the shock of like you should be dead yeah that's true he's you know? very clingy right now he needs the comfort yep anyway um they they walk some more and uh come to a stream which legolas gives the name nimradal the water is said to be healing to the weary, and so the group walks through it to rest on the opposite bank. But they don't really give us an update on that, on whether they feel unwearied or whatever. I mean, Frodo says he feels refreshed by it, so I don't know if it's more than just the general. I'm washing my sore, tired hobbit feet in water healing, I but... I just wanted a conclusive answer. I mean, we could conduct a scientific study. That's what I want to do. Let's, let's get right. our notebooks off to We're the Florian. Cool. Uh, bye, guys. Podcast over. Yeah. <laughs> it's science time. 
look, if we could go to Middle Earth, would we be here? No. No. So, while they're resting, uh, Legolas tells the group some tales of Lothlorien, and then Frodo begins to hear what sounds like a voice singing among the water. The voice of Min... <laughs> Let's try that again. Minradel. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, um, Caitlin. It's the voice of Nimradel, the maiden who once lived beside the stream. So Legolas, of course, then bursts into song about Nimradel and sings of how she was set to sail across the sea with her love, Amroth. He waited for her at the havens, but Nimradel did not appear. At last, the ship left, and Amroth threw himself into the ocean. That's you not know. dramatic or anything. It's cheerful. This book really is a musical. Yeah, pretty much. Nimradel was, like, lost and then fell asleep or something and then wandered and no one knows if she's still wandering or died of heartbreak or, you know, Turned into a stream. Yep. So I I looked this up to see if, like, there was more to it than just the myth. And the only more information that I could find was that he didn't just, like, sail away. He was just sort of waiting for her, but sleeping on the boat. And then a storm <laughs> took the boat, and he was like, oh, shit, no, I gotta go back. Yep. So that's why he jumped off uh, and died, because there was a fucking storm. And then she does eventually show up, but the boat's gone, and he's dead. Yep. <laughs> that took a so, storm. So now she just... I, yeah, nobody really knows what happened to her. It's, you know, typical cheerful elf stories. Presumably she died the elf death of grief that only women die of. Yep. <laughs> God. Good times. But Legolas only sings part of the song, but describes how it's quite long and describes the sorrow that came to Lothlorien when the dwarves awakened the Balrog. At which point Gimli says, but the dwarves did not make the evil. Uh, and in reply, uh, Legolas says, I said not so, yet evil came. Which I think is just really sad. Like, you know, it's it's the way of evil. Like, you might not have made it, but, but it once it's here, anyway. it fucks everyone. Yeah. But it didn't... But it, I don't think it ever left Moria. So it wouldn't really have affected Lothlorien, would it? But, Other than, I guess, all the orcs came. Right, and, and it, it was stuff. the end of the power of the dwarves, and yeah, the world yeah. all around became terrible, and Lothlorien was left an island in the middle of misery. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, that I was thinking more that they were upset about the Balrog itself, mm -hmm. not so much the outcome for their way of mm -hmm. life. Yeah, I think somewhere in this chapter they got into it, that it basically was a big old blow to the power of Lothlorien, and it yeah, was that, like... that makes sense. Okay. They were like, it's time to go now! But Except not, not really, because left. they stay in the heart of their forest and never leave. Well, only some of them. Um, and that's a different heart of the forest than what had been of old. Anyway, at this point, it's also discussed that it is the way of the people of Lothlorien to build houses and trees. And even Gimli agrees that in these days, it might be safer in the trees than on the ground. So that's what they plan to do after getting a little bit away from the path. Pippin is super not thrilled with this idea because hobbits, which again, I found super interesting that the dwarf is way happier to climb a tree than the hobbits are because, you know, stereotypes and all. Well, I also think that the that Gimli is more used to adventuring than it's the true. hobbits are. <laughs> just, just a little bit. Yeah. Um, but as Legolas begins to climb a tree to find a good place to 
sleep, a voice from above yells at him. And he, like, drops down because, holy shit, the tree's yelling at you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Legolas converses with the elf in a variation of Elvish that they use east of the mountains, which is mostly notable because Frodo is like, I can't really tell what you're saying. You're, like, talking in a horrible, like, Scottish accent, and uh, it's just befuddling. <laughs> um, but they they do want uh, Legolas and Frodo to climb up and talk with them uh, until they decide on a plan for these these fair adventurers. Uh, so outsiders. Of, outsiders. <laughs> strange folk. People. Xenophobia. I mean, to be fair, I don't blame them. But also... Yeah. Uh, a ladder of rope ends up getting sent down from the, the trees, and Legolas, of course, just, like, scampers up it, and Frodo uh, goes a little bit more slowly, and is, of course, followed by Sam. Which, as an aside, this is the second time in this chapter where it's, like, someone invites Frodo to go somewhere, and Sam just, like, obviously goes along with. <laughs> and it's, like, a like we know he's his servant but this is where it feels the most like it like that servanthood where it's like well of course he'd come with you like don't count as a person apart from frodo that's true which is just kind of weird and sad yeah and nobody questions it it's right they it's you could read it as kind of sweet i suppose but it more best friends yeah but it doesn't feel that way no it more comes across as if sam just doesn't matter yeah yeah it's definitely that oh you're the servant who's meant to not be seen unless you do something stupid yeah um but i will i'll also add um it's of sam that the elves have their great line of like he breathes so loud we could shoot him in the dark right yes and, not gimli yeah no or not and, and dwarves in general mm-hmm. yeah and not you know no one's talking brashly or anything right it's right? more just that they're saying we know you're there mm-hmm. yeah anyway interesting bits I, I do want to say what we were just talking about with Sam. I think it's very clear that Frodo doesn't think that way about Sam. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. Because while other people might, Frodo doesn't, and Frodo doesn't treat Sam that way, which I think is one of the reasons Sam is so loyal to Frodo. But he also doesn't stop other people from treating Sam No, that that's way. true. That's very true. He yeah. could definitely do more. Mm-hmm. He could. I don't know if that's like his, if he avoids confrontation the way I do, or... Well, also, having other people think of Sam that way means Sam doesn't get kicked out of things. So there's that. I don't know. Yeah. Can we have, like, a a Downton Abbey-style show in Middle-earth where we get, like, the sides of, like, here's the great adventurers, and then there's their their servants. Upstairs, downstairs, but for quests. Exactly. (laughs) Call us up, Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we just solved your series for you. (laughs) Anyway, they all climb up. And in the tree is a platform, which is thrillingly called a flat. Why couldn't they just call it a platform? Oh my fucking god. Why couldn't it just be called a the, floor? What This is the bit that I was like, holy fucking shit, Tolkien. Because I, I can almost kind of understand where sometimes we have to pause and get all the names of a fucking mountain. <laughs> this is literally a board in a tree. And we yeah. got three different names for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I didn't write down the elvish name, but yikes. And even a line about, like, as it was called in those days. Yeah. As if it's important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's cram all over again. Like, why did you need to invent a name for this thing? 
Yeah. It's a freaking tree. It's a tree house. I mean, tree flat. <laughs> tree floor. <laughs> it's anyway. a flat. Anyways, yes, it doesn't matter. But they climb up to the flat, as it was called then, uh, and they find three elves there, one of whom is named Aldir. Aldir! Who... Yay! I love Aldir. <laughs> <laughs> He's a, a cool dude. Um, also happens to be the main communicator by virtue of actually speaking the common tongue. Uh, he is accompanied by his brothers, Rumil and Orofin. For some reason, I thought it was Oradreth, but I think that's a different elf. I think that's someone. We could look it up. But I think that's, that's a Summerlian elf. Probably. I mean, we've forgotten all of them. Yeah. I remember Mathros. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because we pronounced his name wrong for yep. the entire <laughs> fucking book. book. Um, so... Word has passed to Haldir from Alrond, and what's interesting also is Haldir points out that um, he's, like, heard of hobbits before. He remarks that they hadn't heard anything from hobbits for a long time and didn't know there were any left in Middle-earth. And I super want to know the history here. Like, this is pretty much the first outside creature that's, like, known of hobbits. Yeah, obviously hobbits are real. Well, okay. So we know that hobbits came from somewhere before they settled where the Shire is, and that they did originally get um, the King of Arnor's permission to settle there. So people at one point must have known they existed, mm -hmm. but then once they settled in the Shire, they didn't leave. So I would think like humans who die young, or comparatively speaking, would forget about them. Mm -hmm. But the elves might remember them because they, they don't do the dying thing, yeah. at least well, of, I, of age. That's fair. And these are like the oldest elves. I mean, not in in entirety, but it's remarked upon that they're much more the elves in, in the land of ancient time than at the very least their society otherwise. is the mm -hmm. probably the oldest of the current of the ones still in existence. Anyway, I do find that really interesting, like the not knowing if there were any left. Like I think he would just assume they'd like die out as a species, but it almost feels like a did they just get on a boat and go to Valinor? <laughs> it's kind of the it phrasing right i don't know if because, there are any left yeah because he said that he didn't know that there were any left in middle earth he didn't say uh, you know i didn't realize yeah. you still existed mm -hmm. so that is an interesting point that maybe he thought they did just pull an elf I mean... and fuck <laughs> off to the west <laughs> pull an elf <laughs> but that little side comment um it's just like one of those random things that's tossed out and again, never really discussed. Yep. Um, but Haldir asks how many are in the company as a whole, and Legolas says eight and lists himself four hobbits and two men, pointing out that Aragorn is an elf friend. And Haldir's like, uh, that's only seven? And Legolas has to admit that one's a dwarf. Before that, he, uh, Haldir also says, oh yeah, we know Aragorn. He's super mm -hmm. cool. He's our friend. So... Like, this is the first real hint that we've gotten that Aragorn's been to Lothlorien before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. So, yeah. Alder, super not happy about dwarves, even if he, you know, knows and likes two of the people there. Um, plus Frodo, because he seems to just like Frodo. Frodo is very likable. Yeah. Also, you know, he's like the whole point of this mission and all that fun. Um, but, yeah. So, Alder's like, nope, the dwarf cannot pass. Um, but Frodo speaks up really passionately on yeah. Gimli's behalf. It's really great. Um, and so the elves agree that, okay, Gimli can pass as long as Aragorn and Legolas guard him, and he's blindfolded. Jeez. 
Inferno and and like let's just say okay and don't even ask Gimli if that would be cool with him. Yeah, a little bit. That's a that's a little shitty. Yeah, but for the night, uh, everyone's gonna sleep in the platforms in the trees. The hobbits have a hard time falling asleep. Up Excuse in the trees. me, they're called flets. <laughs> <laughs> the hobbits struggle to fall asleep in the flets, which have no railings. So honestly. I would be. Oh yeah, no, I I would be. I mean, I assume they're all super exhausted, but if if I were in that position and not super exhausted, there is no goddamn way I'd be sleeping in that thing Mm -hmm. unless I had two people on either side of me and was like, you're going off first. Truly. I mean, I starfish when I sleep, so I think I'd be fine with it. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I sleep like a rock, so I wouldn't actually, like, be in any danger, but also, no, no. No, but Sam is like, nope, I'm so tired I can sleep. And then he makes a really terrible pun about like going how he's going to go drop off. (laughs) (laughs) I've forgotten that that was a pun. It was so good. Yeah, it was just such a dad joke. Good on you, Sam. So Frodo has trouble falling asleep, but does finally do so, but wakens in the middle of the night and hears the sound of many feet and a ring of metal. Uh, an elf head appears and tosses up the rope ladder, remarking that there are orcs. Gives like a one-word answer, and it's apparently a word that Frodo could understand that said orcs. Orcs. Um, I think is what it said. (laughs) Orcs with a Y. Maybe that's the the one word of Quenya Frodo actually knows. (laughs) The only one you really need. It's fair. Frodo watches Sting fade slowly from blue, black, and uh, plain silver. But he still can't get back to sleep because he's feeling that sense of danger. And then he hears the sound of something sniffing and then grabbing onto the trunk and climbing. He sees two pale eyes and then the figure vanishes and Halder climbs up. Uh, Halder describes that it was a creature he'd never seen before, not an orc. He says he would have thought it was one of the hobbits except for the fact that it had skill climbing trees. (laughs) Which... Good bit of deductive reasoning there. (laughs) He also says that a company of orcs passed, but the three elves lured them away with feigned voices, and Orofin went back to warn the rest of the elves, and they'll send a proper hunting party after the orcs to kill them all. Uh, But that means they've got to get moving, so at first light, the party sets out again. Haldir and another elf across the river build a bridge of rope to use to cross it, which really was just such a throwback to summer camp for me. <laughs> like, oh yeah, one rope for the feet, two for the hands. Been there, done that. Not usually across a river, but anyway, they climb across the rope bridge and get to the other side of the river, which is sort of the heart of Lorien, where few are permitted to set foot. Uh, it's now time to blindfold Gimli, who uh, did not know up till this point that that had been agreed upon. And is super not happy with it, which... Totally fair. Yeah, I don't blame you. And Haldir, hopefully, is like, well, it's the law, so you've either got to do this, or you can die. (laughs) Oh, Haldir. (laughs) Cool. Uh, And Legolas, very helpfully, is like, a plague on dwarves and their stiff necks. Uh, And, yeah, luckily, Aragorn's around to defuse the situation, and... Suggests that it is indeed unfair for Gimli to be singled out, so everyone will be blindfolded, even Legolas. 
Which goes about as well as you'd expect. And Legolas is really mad. And now Aragorn gets the sass back at him. Now let us cry, a plague on the stiff necks of elves. I'm so glad he did that. It was Me too. Yeah, it's it's good. But after all this and some commentary on how like, hey, we're all friends. Like we have the same enemy. Um, There's this whole long, really kind of like, we just suddenly go from the comedic bickering to Halder being really sad. Basically, Halder goes over how um, they're basically an island amid many perils and how they had the rivers protected them for so long, but all around evil has crept about um, and that it seems even like it may be too late to depart for Valinor, um, or I guess to anywhere, and uh, there's not really any safe place that they can go, and they say, even if we could come to the shores of the sea, we should no longer find any shelter there. Uh, it is said that there are still havens of the High Elves, but they are far north and west, beyond the land of the halflings. But where that may be, that the Lord and Lady may know, I do not. Uh, and Mary is like, yeah, there are still ones there, like west of the Shire. They're like right there. <laughs> uh, and Halder is delighted to hear this and asks Mary to talk with them. But Mary, alas, cannot because he hasn't been there. He hasn't visited them. And he adds that he hasn't left the Shire at all. And if he'd known what the world was like, he'd never have left. This was so sad to me. I did love that, though. I did how Haldir was like, there may be there, you know, myth and legend. And Mary's just like, oh, yeah, they're yep. there. They're there. We, we, we can, we've seen them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was perfectly timed. I wish it had yeah. been in the movie. That's exactly the kind of humor that would play well. Mm-hmm. But, but it also just shows how out of touch everyone is. Yeah, how out of touch everyone is and how different, how far away, how far they've journeyed, mm-hmm. how far they have walked. They've walked a long way. Yeah. But yeah, no, Lothlorien really is, like, entirely isolationist. I don't even, but not necessarily, as we sort of discussed, by choice. No, no. But they're, like, maximum cut off from the world. Yeah, and it is, uh, well, I think that's next chapter. Carry on. <laughs> All right. Um, but we do have a nice little heartening moment, um, where Holder replies to Mary that, you know, you wouldn't leave even, even to see fair Lothlorien. He says, the world is indeed full of peril, and in it there are many dark places, but still there, still there is much that is fair. And though in all lands love is now mingled with grief, it grows perhaps the stronger. But yeah, he also talks about the possibility of leaving, but he would be really sad to live in a place where these these trees don't grow. And that's also really sad. Like, yeah, it must suck for the elves that never went to Valinor to now just be like, it's time for us to go, even though we don't know, we don't know what's there. And by this point, I'm pretty sure there's one, maybe two elves that have seen Valinor that are still in Middle-earth. Yeah, I mean, Galadriel... And who else? I wasn't sure about Kierden. Oh yeah, yeah. I I I genuinely don't remember. Yeah, I have no idea if he saw them or not, or if he just like builds these boats and sends people off and has never <laughs> <Yeah>. been there. <laughs> um, but also there is, well, we don't know, but potentially there is one of Fanor's sons still wandering around. Um, the one who just literally like the only one left alive at the end who just decided to wander 
But I assume hasn't died of grief because he was a man. <laughs> I have literally no idea who you're talking about. I forget his name. I forget which one it was, but there was one still alive after everything in the Silmarillion. <laughs> At the end of the Silmarillion, who just like abandoned everything and went for a walk. And that's what he's doing for the rest of eternity, apparently. He's just walking along the shore of the ocean. I mean, I guess that is its own form of doom. Well, because he's not, he's not allowed back, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. there's not really anything for him in Middle-earth anymore since Beleriand went bye-bye, mm-hmm. and all his family's dead, <laughs> except for Galadriel, who nope. would be his cousin? Yeah, go for it. I'm pretty sure cousin. It's a lot of elf sadness in this, yeah. this episode. Because um, it's a lot of elves. It's fair. And they're just generally sad. <laughs> <laughs> also when you fair. live that long. The ennui. Mm-hmm. Yep, it gets to you. Especially if you're a lady elf. <laughs> yeah, it can literally kill you. <laughs> um, so anyway, everyone's blindfolded, and they go back to walking. Uh, and Frodo finds that with his eyes covered, he can better smell the trees and grass and hear the sounds of the leaves and feel the sun when they pass into an opening. He describes that it seemed to him that he had stepped over a bridge of time into a corner of the Elder Days and was now walking in a world that was no more. In Rivendell, there was memory of ancient things. In Lorien, the ancient things still lived on in the waking world. Which, again, I think kind of ties back to what we've been talking about, where it's this really totally unique place. The only little bit left. I mean, as much as I feel that like, hobbits are what I personally identify with. If I were in, or if I had the chance to visit actual Middle-earth, I would take off for Lothlorien faster than I could. Like, I just wouldn't even think about going anywhere else. You know, I'd just be like, mm-hmm. Lorien, here I come. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Fair point. Live in trees. Yeah. It'd be pretty grand. The surrounded by darkness bit, not so much, but... But everything else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All the rest of it. Lots of lemnus bread. <laughs> I mean, presumably Spoilers. they eat better things. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the company sleeps, uh, still blindfolded, on the ground that night, and then walks some more the next day. And they come across a host of elves who report that most of the orcs have been destroyed, and those who remained were being pursued. Uh, they also brought news of the strange creature running with bent back and with hands near the ground, like a beast, and yet not of beast shape. They say they didn't shoot the creature, for they didn't know if it was evil or not. Which I found interesting, given that they don't trust anyone. <laughs> but also, like, I just, they get, that's two opportunities for somebody to have shot him this chapter. And for random ass reasons, nobody did. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also found it interesting that Aragorn doesn't pipe up. Because... Like, you'd think he suspects it's Gollum. Spoilers. You'd think he suspects who it is? We've, I mean, we've heard that Aragorn, like, hunted Gollum and all this. Like, he knows about this creature. Yeah. And yeah. he knows it's escaped, so... And even even Frodo would have heard... And Legolas. Legolas would know, too, because he would he was there, right? Yeah. He was the messenger because Gollum escaped. And and, and Frodo would have, like, he would know what Gollum looked like from from Bilbo. Right, Bilbo would have described and drawn Gollum, so yeah. anyway, it's like, we all know the thing, but we're not saying the thing. 
it's a classic case of the author doesn't want to tell the reader. And it's fair. Um, it is a book. Oh my god, fine. Oh um, no, I'm not. I'm not giving them. I, I think that's a lousy. I think that's lousy writing. No, it. I mean, yes, but I. When we get too caught up in things, we're like, okay, yes, but this is literally a dude sitting and making these choices. Oh, okay. It's yes. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you think of it as like you know, through the filter of, of like, Bilbo, as we've had, we had with The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a in-story narrative device. And even if it doesn't totally make sense, it is how you would tell it as a story. Well, anyways. Yep. Nobody's so, willing to say the word Gollum yet. No one says the word Gollum. But the host of elves do say that the Lord and Lady of the Woods said all could walk free without their eyes covered. So the blindfolds are removed. Yay! Yay. And the company is standing in an open space with a great mound to the left, which has a double crown of circles of trees upon it. And on the trees is one of those flat platforms. Very nice. Um, And at the foot of the trees are small golden flowers shaped like stars. Called Eleanor. Yes. (laughs) Also a bunch of other flowers that we don't care about as much. Eleanor Uh, is important. I love Eleanor flowers. Okay, (laughs) Uh, so it turns out this is Karen Amroth, the heart of the Lothlorien of old, a.k.a. the Mound of Amroth, a.k.a. that dude we heard about in the song earlier. Whoa. Threw himself yeah. off a boat in the middle of the storm, like an idiot. Yep. So it's his flat. <laughs> Not just any flat. <laughs> it's the idiot flat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I um, railings. They're all idiot flats. Yes. Yeah. True. Um... So Frodo and Sam are overcome by the vividness of the scene around them. How it just like, even though it's stuff they've seen before, it just feels like new and different and special. Uh, and Sam describes it as feeling as if he were inside a song. Which is a good metaphorical description. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Halder actually seems to understand exactly what they mean. And so he takes them to climb up the mound, which also I liked because it's like he... He's noting Sam as a person here and not yes. just, hey, Frodo, you want to look? Yeah, he invited um, them both. Mm-hmm. So they actually climb up to the platform, and Haldir has Frodo look south towards a city of trees that we may or may not go to at some point. Uh, <laughs> and then to the east, uh, Frodo can see Lorien running down to meet the Anduin. And there's a very distinct difference when he looks at the land across the river, which is back to normalcy. You can see the difference between the magic of Lothorian and what's on the rest of the land. Uh, and also that way is the south of Mirkwood, which includes Dol <clears throat> Guldur, which they now fear is inhabited again. And They say like by the seven and... and the nine, don't they? Maybe. Or something like that? Oh no, I don't it's... remember. Okay, you uh... carry on, I'll look this up. Okay, cool. Um, but here you can visibly see the two powers that oppose each other, which is a nice moment of the metaphor becoming literal. Uh, and they do climb back down to find Aragorn at the foot of the hill, holding a small golden bloom. One of those flowers whose names I keep forgetting. The Eleanor? Thank you. Um, it's important flowers. Sorry, uh, just back to Dolgaldor. Where long the hidden enemy had his dwelling, we fear that now it is inhabited again with power sevenfold. 
And I personally interpreted that to mean something to do with the seven dwarf rings. Because uh, what's-his-face has them all now, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. Right. And we know or as far as we know. dude was threatening yeah. Dane. Or, yeah, Dane. Yeah. So I, I that. that's mm -hmm. how I interpreted that, but I guess it could be wrong. I don't know. Well, it's it's evil again. Yeah. So, but yeah. So Aragorn's at the foot of the hill, holding the bloom of Eleanor, and caught up in a memory, and uh, it's just really wonderful end passage. So I'm gonna read it. So as Frodo looked at him, he knew that he beheld things as they once had been in the same place, for the grim years were <laughs> for the grim years were removed from the face of Aragorn, and he seemed clothed in white a young lord, tall and fair, and he spoke words in the elvish tongue to one whom Frodo could not see. Arwen Venemelda Namarie, he said, and then he drew a breath, and returning out of his thought, he looked at Frodo and smiled. Here is the heart of Elvendom on earth, he said, and here my heart dwells ever, unless there be a light beyond the dark roads that we still must tread, you and I. Come with me. And taking Frodo's hand in his, he left the hill of Karen Amroth, and came there never again as living man. The romance. <laughs> He's literally like, I met the person I love here, but maybe you and I will find a better place. Or something wow. like that. And then he takes Frodo's hand, and they go galloping off into their sunset. Which, okay, also that last sentence, though, and taking Frodo's hand in his, he left the hill of... Uh... Saren, Karen Amroth. Karen Amroth. Hard, hard seas. Hard no, seas. I can't. Uh, he left the hill of Karen Amroth and came there never again as a living man. Jeez. That took a dark turn I wasn't expecting. Just. Yeah. That's so sad. Is he haunting it? Well, <laughs> Did they bring his corpse back? Okay, well, we're going to revisit this at the in the appendices. <laughs> so, like, in two and a half books, we'll figure out what the fuck was going on here. <laughs> cool, great. Can't wait. But no, I think, again, even though we don't get the direct translation of the Elvish, which, yes, obviously I looked up, um, but it, it's very clearly a moment of farewell for him. And it's, you know, to the, the times of the past. What and, does that second word mean? I don't, I don't know it. Uh, so it's, it's like a, I think it's like beautiful Arwen oh, okay. farewell. I yeah. knew farewell and Arwen, obviously, but mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't yeah. know. So he's saying farewell to all of what his life was in this place that he had fond memories. And then he's like, okay, we have to go tread these, tread these roads together. And so, you know, however you want to read it, he's, you know, taking up with Frodo because he's like, this is the commitment I've made and not... I mean, if you want to read it that way. I mean, either way, it's a commitment. <laughs> yes, this is true. He is, he's choosing Frodo over Arwen mm -hmm. or over the life that he wanted with Arwen. Yeah. I also liked the symbolism as, I mean, it was partly the time of year, but the whole, like, clothed in white thing as he's come to this elvish mound. It's a very, like, biblical transfiguration kind of scene. Mm, right. You know, where it's it's kind of that moment of precipice for him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We all agree. Hang on, I was like, was I have the nothing, silence but... of agreement. Yep. He's, even though he said farewell before, here's where he, like, actually... I even if he it. did say goodbye, presumably he wasn't a complete asshole when they left, <laughs> and he did say goodbye to her. We didn't see that on the page. Right. So this was more of a moment for us, I think. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this whole this whole chapter is basically just like farewells, you know. Yeah. Even like the the elves, even if they're not actively leaving right now, the, it's still farewell to the Lothlorien of the past. And yeah. yeah, this is just. I I think I got really sad reading this. How just the whole chapter was like imbued with that sense of loss of what was, and because yeah, Elvish we power stepped into a whole other world but, here. Mm-hmm. It was like the days of old. But it's, you know, dying, and this is all that's left. That is sad, but I don't know. I, we've seen so much of the elves dying that, I don't know, it's kind of par for the course. I mean, <laughs> that's fair. But this was like 20 pages of... I mean, the Silmarillion was a whole book. <laughs> fair. Anyway, sucks to be an elf, man. It's strange because they're so long-lived that we see them die so much. But I guess that's part of why it's so sad to them and like such a big deal to them when things end because they're mm-hmm. used to it not ending. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, as we mentioned, like these are the ones who were like here the whole time, or a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, the and ones so, who never went to Valinor and just... Right, they never experienced the upheaval of everything in Beleriand. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we're going to get to see, like, the rest of Lothlorien and, you know, meet someone who we've been wanting to meet again for a book, a couple books now. And a half. Yay! This giant chapter is over. Did anybody have any favorites that we didn't talk about? I don't think so. Rachel did a really great job of integrating quotes. Yeah, I don't think so either. My my favorite was probably that last bit, when they Mm -hmm. go up the hill and then come down. Yeah, we know. It could also I have mean, been my... the part where he's stripping Frodo, though. It's hard to tell. I mean, I did enjoy that bit. I'm yeah, not obviously, my favorite part was shaking a fist at a mountain. <laughs> Mine was still the talking rocks and plants. That's just so cool. And we know nothing about it. All right, so we will see you all next week for book two. Chapter seven. Chapter seven. Woo-hoo. The Mirror of Galadriel. Who's Galadriel? Some fucking elf lady, I don't know. Um, so uh you can tweet us if you want to at Tui Tolkien or email us at want to at gmail.com. And if you want to, you can always leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast listening platform of choice. I'm Caitlin. I've been Rachel. And I'm Emmy. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.